Thanks, everyone. It's great to be here again. It's my privilege to share God's Word with you this morning. I hope you're well. I hope God's met with you afresh this morning and you felt his blessing on your your life. Do you know, God has the best for you, even if sometimes allowing him to do what he wants to do in your life is uh, difficult. Uh, As you surrender to him, it's always better that you do that because he has the best for you. And in fact, actually, that's part of what we've been doing, if you like, in our worship. It's not only are we praising him, are we saying how great God is. That's part of worship, but part of it is also us realigning our hearts, along with John the Baptist, to say, you know, that Jesus, your importance, your fame, your will, your desires must increase in my life, and uh, I must decrease. We're coming in line with uh, John the Baptist to say, he must increase, but I must decrease. Why don't you say that to the person next to you? He must increase, but I must decrease. It's true. It's true. And and actually, even in doing that, you realize that uh, God has a more fulfilling, better life for you than you ever could give yourself. It's certainly been my testimony. It's been the testimony of many uh, millions of Christians through the centuries as well. If you want your life, though, to be more pleasing to Jesus, more in line with the will of God, If you're seeking what the Holy Spirit has for you and you want to prioritize what he wants for you, then the church of Jesus Christ will be right up there in the top of your priorities, right up there high on your priority list, consuming your thoughts, consuming your desires and um, what you give the focus of your life towards not because of any inherent quality within the church itself. The church in itself has no inherent qualities, but because of the value that God himself places on his people. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're not talking about buildings. We're not talking about structures. We're talking about the people of God, people who have become Christians and surrendered their life to Jesus. God loves the church enough to send his son to die for her. Christ loves the church so much that she's referred to as the bride of Christ. Belonging exclusively to him, cherished by Jesus himself. Not only do we love God, but he loves us and cherishes each one of us. Jesus willingly gave his life, you see, on the cross. The Father sent him, but Jesus willingly went, and he took on himself all the punishment for the things that you and I have done, have said, have thought that is wrong, that offends God and hurts other people. Jesus willingly bore God's righteous punishment against all those things so that we could be forgiven, that we could have a fresh start, that we could be adopted into God's family, that we could receive his Holy Spirit as a sign that we belong to God now. And also, the Holy Spirit is one who gives us power to live for God as well. And that's 
That's how you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Jesus, recognizing what he's done. And it's an individual choice that you make of surrender to Jesus, with baptism, if you like, being a sign that you've done what you've done in your heart. But Jesus saves you into a people. It's an individual choice, but you're saved into a people. You're saved into his family. You're saved into the church, his beautiful bride. Hallelujah. The church, through the power of God's Spirit as well, is called to live in a way that brings glory to God in the places that God has called you and I to live and to work. You see, God is passionate about his church. It's the primary way he wants his wisdom to be displayed to the world around us. Ephesians 3 verse 10 makes Makes clear. See, the, what I'm trying to get across is the church isn't just a, a backup plan of God. It's not just an afterthought, an added bonus, if you like. And nor should it be in your thinking and in my thinking. It's always been God's intention that through his gathered people here on earth that bear his image, he would be brought glory where they lived. You go right back to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When the world was perfect and God made Adam and Eve, he placed them in a garden and told them to go and fill the whole world, to populate it and to rule over it. And they would have done that naturally back then. They would have, they would have done that perfectly in a way that pleased God and brought him much glory. We had the joy, if you like, of being chosen by God to co-labor with him in fulfilling his purposes here on earth. Of course, we know that the story they rebelled and we rebelled as, you know, in the, as we were, were in them from God and uh, bringing sin, suffering and death into this world as we decided we're going to go our way, not God's way. We're going to choose our priorities above God's priorities. But God in his goodness, he didn't give up on us or just punish us and end things there. He had a plan of redemption all along, which a little bit later we began to see work out through Abraham and the people of Israel. And he gave them the promised land, if you like, a bigger piece of land for them to work out his purposes as they lived under the law that he had given them. They were called, Israel was called, to be a kingdom of priests representing God to the people and bringing the people to the God. They were called to be a light to the Gentile nations around them. But because of sin's hold on the hearts of mankind, although there was glimmers of hope that you saw in Israel, it was only ever partial Obedience, usually followed by sin and lots of catastrophes. Uh, it's demonstrating to us that by mankind, with our own power and willpower alone, we cannot fulfill God's desires. However, praise God, we were never called to do it alone, and nor were they. God, through Christ, fulfills the law and prophets, all that they spoke about. He was completely obedient to God, bringing him glory in any and every situation that Jesus went into. 
He, he, he uh, pleased God with everything he did, everything he said, everything he thought. Now imagine that. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, sometimes I'm glad that people don't know what I'm thinking. You may be thinking that now. I'm glad he doesn't know what I'm thinking at the moment. Uh, but actually, God does. And with Jesus, he fully pleased the Father in everything that he did. And then after dying on the cross for his people, he clothed them with his righteousness. And he gives the church the great commission to go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What humanity, when we were perfect, would have done naturally, we no longer can do that. We now can only do it supernaturally through the power of the Spirit working in our lives through Jesus Christ. When we become Jesus' disciples, we put his ways above our ways. We surrender our priorities to his priorities. We seek to please him more than we please ourselves. Or to put it another way, as we said at the beginning, he must increase and we must increase decrease. Even in our own lives, his importance becomes greater than our importance. He's the one, as Erica was saying in her word, should be on the throne of our lives. And how, when you look in the New Testament, do the apostles, how do they go about trying to fulfill the great commission that God had given them? They go about it by building local churches wherever they went. That's the example that that scripture lays down for us. The church, again, being the people of God, God's community within the world, but not of the world, as John 17 makes clear, representing what God is like and what he wants his people to be like, how, they, how he wants his people to live, how we should relate to those who are different to us socially, culturally, educationally, ethnically. God wants his disciples in, his, in local churches all over the face of the world, being the community of God within the world, hidden, if you like, like yeast in a lump of dough, but affecting the whole dough, as Matthew 13, 33 tells us. Together, we are called to be the light of the world, salt of the earth. Uh, do you see, my friends, I hope you begin to see the importance and the beauty of the church, the people of God. That's the value that God places on us. It's not an afterthought. And that's the value he wants you to have as you think about the church. Now, those verses in Matthew 5, verse uh, 13 to 16, about salt and light, he addresses his disciples, you are, in the Greek, actually, there, it's very clear. It's in the second person plural, which means he's not addressing you as an individual. He's addressing you all. It's a, he's addressing us all. Together, we are called to be salt. Together, we are called to be light. And of course, that impacts us individually, but it's broader. It's together we are called to do that. God calls us as Christians 
to gather in local churches made up of people from all walks of life, redeemed out of the world and on God's mission together. Hallelujah. To make disciples, that's what we're called to do, make disciples of all nations who bring glory to God where we live. My friends, how beautiful is the church? How amazing to belong to the family of God. You know, there's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. And there's a lot of truth in that. Well, it takes a church to raise a disciple. We're not called to do it alone. And true disciples will be passionate about the church of Jesus Christ. Christ gave his life for the church. Ephesians 5, 25. The Apostle Paul says he endured all things for the sake of the elect, i.e. for the sake of the church. 2 Timothy 2.10. You think of all the things that the Apostle Paul went through in his life. He wanted the church to be holy and pure to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11 makes clear. And Ephesians 5.27 tells us what Jesus has done for us, that, so that Jesus might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, in any such thing, or, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish to him. My friends, the beauty of the church, radiantly reflecting the glory of Christ to the world around us is what you are called to give your life to. And by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're enabled to actually do that with our lives as well. Hallelujah. You know, the other night I was uh, sitting uh, there with uh, Anna and we were chatting uh, actually, we, th- this week we've been married 22 years. Can you believe it? Yeah, yeah. You're, t- you're too young, you say. You're too young. Yeah, no, no. no. Uh, 22 years. It was a, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, this it, w- it wasn't on our it wasn't on our anniversary night, but it was before then. We're sitting there chatting, and I was looking lovingly at Anna and uh, enjoying the conversation. When all of a sudden. Um, she lunges at me and does this pincer movement by my eye and it causes me some real pain in my eye. I was like, ah, what did you do that for? She said, oh, you had a spot by your eye and it was, it was bothering me, so I dealt with it. <laughs> I didn't even know it was there. I didn't even see it. She obviously wasn't listening to me. She was just looking at this spot move as I, as I, as I talked. My friends, it's in the community of the church that God often highlights your spots and my spots and our wrinkles that sometimes we don't even realize is there. But God uses other people, usually sometimes through their faults as well, to highlight your faults, your spots, your wrinkles. that He wants to refine in your life. And whilst there's momentary pain when it happens, it's always better for you in the long run to let God deal with with those issues. Amen? Amen. Many of you know that to be true. My friends, God wants your vision and your passion for his church to be like his. He wants you, your love for him to be earthed in the reality of love for his 
people. That's, if you read the Gospel of John, if you read the letters of John, it's very clear. Love for God looks like love for his people. And whilst we're called to help the church worldwide grow through our praying, giving, sending, even sometimes going ourselves, it's through the local church, which you belong to, where you live, that should be the primary focus of your love, of your energy, of your time, of your finances, of giving your all to God. It's through us, Christ Church, together that God wants to demonstrate his love to the community around us. He wants us together to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to serve together in the purposes of God around us and to celebrate all that he is doing amongst us as well. Together, pressing into the vision that is up there and that should appear on the screen behind me, that we've got our vision statement of sharing the love of Jesus and, uh, and pressing in to the picture that we had in March 2021 of a door that we as a church are about to go through, a door into a new season of fruitfulness, abundant fruit, the word said. Be ready and press into this season. And it goes on. But that, that, that phrase, be ready and press into that season. Do you know, we as elders and, and our wives met with Steve Braden just before uh, the summer break. And we had a, a great time with him. But he had a similar word for us there based on, on uh, Revelations 3, verse 18 to 13, where it says, Behold, I set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. Now, obviously, this is scripture that he was uh, giving to us, so it's uh, relevant to all believers in all time, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, as 2 Timothy 3 makes clear to us. But when someone like Steve Brading, who's got a proven uh, a track record in, in bringing prophetic words, and someone who speaks regularly into the life of the church, brings you a word like this and says, I think God is wanting to highlight this to you and say these things over you at the moment as a church. You take note and you apply it specifically to the situation that you're in. And actually, it's already proved true in an area that we were concerned about and uh, the door has remained uh, firmly open uh, in, in that area. But do you know that phrase there about having little power is understood by most theologians to refer to the fact that the church there was materially poor and yet they had faithfully endured and so God's hand was on them. And as I've mentioned to you before as well as a church that in terms uh, for our size in terms of 
if you like, the income that we receive partly reflects our demographic. We are actually, we are, we, we are poor in, in that sense for a church. Yet, we're involved in serving our community, especially the marginalized in our community, in so many ways, upholding the name of Jesus in so many ways. And God's blessing is on us because of that. Praise God for that. And as a church, uh, we, we have a number who are really faithful and generous givers. And we do so much, I want you to know, with that money that is given. God knows who you are. I don't. I don't know uh, what, what people give. But God knows and what you're investing in his kingdom from the money that he has already given you in the first place. And he will reward you for that. I want you to know that. Likewise, we have a number of people who serve so faithfully the body of Christ because they value and see how beautiful the church is called to be, faithfully serving in so many ways. And again, God sees the time and the effort that you give to his church, even if no one else sees what you're doing. God sees, and great, the Bible says, will be your reward for doing that. And if, So if that's you in those areas, I want you to really know, as I was preparing this, I was really feeling the Father's pleasure on you, the Father's joy on you, as you patiently endure and seek to build a beautiful church for Jesus to return to. And I believe God really wants you to hear he's well done in that. But if that's not you, and you feel the Holy Spirit challenging you afresh, even a bit of pain, a bit of annoyance, Sai, why are you mentioning this to, to us? Then allow God to pick that spot in you, I would say. Allow him to change you in this area. For in reality, God is calling some of you this morning to step up and to serve more the people of God. Do you know, the thing about being a servant is you don't always get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. You're a servant. You do what your master wants you to do when he wants it done. We say, your will be done, not mine, along with Jesus, the example that he sets us. You know, God does often release us in areas that we're gifted in as well. He's given us those gifts to, to serve in that way. But sometimes he just wants to see your servant-heartedness as well. He wants you to reflect his son. Likewise, with our giving, as always, there's a faith gap in what we go for as a, uh, as a church, trusting God. And God has always met us, actually, as a church through uh, uh, generous giving and uh, one-off gifts and grants as well that have come in. But, you know, God is calling people afresh to prayerfully consider what he wants you to co-labor with him in this area as we seek to build his kingdom through our regular work here as a church, which in reality should be funded by the regular giving. But currently, there's, there is not quite matching up there. And you know, we've never, like many churches do, had to uh, draw upon gift day money uh, to uh, balance things. But we may have to if, uh, 
if, if things continue uh, as they are, which would be a shame, but um, that may be what we have to do. See, God is challenging some of you, I think, this morning to start being serious about tithing to him, to stop giving just pocket change or loose change or nothing at all to the work of God amongst us. For others, God wants you to prayerfully consider what you regularly give rather than just an amount that was fixed a few years ago and we've forgotten about since then. He's, it's a new season and he's calling you to prayerfully consider that. And as said, for some of you in this area, God wants you to hear his well done in that area as you've prayerfully and sacrificially given all along. But in reality, my friends, the amount we together as a church can do for God will partly be determined by this. It's part of the deal, if you like, of us fulfilling the waiting for and hastening, quickening the day of Christ's return. Or our giving and our serving is part of us patiently enduring, as Steve words uh, was brought to us, and being faithful in the little power that we have. It's us choosing to say, yes, I want to press in to all that God has for us this season. I want to press in to that season of fruitfulness. We, well, we say, I want to invest my all in Christ's beautiful church more than anything for myself. God is wanting us through the Holy Spirit to build a beautiful church here in Helsham that impacts the nations with the love of Jesus for his glory. And to some extent, in God's sovereignty, he allows us to influence the level of impact that we are going to have. And, you know, for me, personally, I'm all in. My life has been given over to that, actually, for the last... 28 years, oh my goodness, uh, but yeah, I'm too young, you say, no, no, 20, last 26, I was 16, totally given over to this for the sake of Christ and his church. What about you, my friends? What about you? Are you given over to your desires or are you given over to the desires of God, saying, God, I want your will I want you to increase and whatever I want to decrease. Can I invite you to stand and invite the worship team back here? Because I want you to just be prayerfully considering in your own heart this before God. I thought about getting people to stand as a response, but actually you always get a few and then the, pr the pressure builds and people uh, uh, feel, oh, I should stand too, otherwise I, uh, I, uh, I, I look silly. But um, God wants you prayerfully consider this in your heart. God is wanting you to be consumed with his heart's desire to build a beautiful, radiant church, both locally and right around the world, resulting in bringing him much glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. So let's be those. Let's be those people who recognize the beauty 
of the church and follow our Lord and his apostles' footsteps and give our all to build a radiant church, a radiant bride for Christ to come back to. Amen? Let's just pray and then I'll hand over to Chris to lead us in a song of surrender before God. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you you set the example for us, Lord God. Though you were rich, you became poor. Though you are the king of the world, the Lord of all, you said, not my will be done, but your will be done. You didn't even speak unless it was what the Father had told you to say. You did the works of your Father. And Lord, we want our lives to be given over to serving you. We want the things that your heart is passionate about to be the things that our heart are passionate about. We want to give ourselves to the things that you are calling us to give ourselves to. Lord, we want to use all of our strength, all of our mind, Lord God, all of our energy, Lord God, all of you, you have given us, Lord God, to serve you and to further your purposes here on earth. Lord God, thank you. It's all yours anyway, Lord. You could take it all from us at any moment. And Lord, Whilst we're here, Lord, we want to do all that we can to extend your kingdom, to build your church, Lord God. We want, we want your name to be the highest name, Lord God. We want to surrender all to you afresh this morning. And Lord, I just pray for each person here, Lord, that you would do a deep, deep work in their heart, Lord God. Father God, keep us captivated by your gaze, Lord, keep us captivated on you, on serving you. Lord, not distracted, not caught up with our own importance or our own agenda, but surrendered to you, Lord God. It's our desire, Lord God, is to, is to serve you, is to worship you, is to give you our all. And so, Lord, I just pray you would do this work in each one of our hearts. I just pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.